of Christ to one another. Yes. Yep. 12.05 to be exact. When is it? Is it 12.05 exactly? Is when actually the kick is? Yeah, five minutes ago. Come on in, everybody! How are you? Good. I'm good. How's Florida? Good. Good. Okay, everyone. Great. Coming in. If you have one of the Black Bibles, it's on page 873. And that's where we're at. So, have you guys ever hosted uh, a dinner party that's gone off the rails? Like hosting, hosting bad stories, you know, anything like that has happened? You know, I was reading a story about uh, a couple. They had a birthday party and, uh, for their daughter and their uh, grandparents came in. And 30 minutes into the birthday party, uh, Grandpa turns to them and says, Hey, we drove two hours for cake. And it was like the uh, kind of passive-aggressive comment, There's no dinner here. And so, you know, the son had to go out and get dinner and everything like that. So things like that kind of uh, things. And there's another story of a grandfather that uh, friends had, uh, family had friends over and their grandfather came to. And at the end of the meal, he took out his dentures and just dropped them in the, um, the glass of water, you know. Things that make you go, wow, this dinner party is not going the way I want it to. Have you ever had that? Where a dish goes up in smoke, you know, uh, the heat goes out or the air conditioning goes out. Or a child gets sick at the table. You know, have you ever been part of a dinner party that has gone off the rails? Well, today we are going to see a guest that takes a dinner party off the rails. Uh, One that makes a lot of people feel very awkward at this party. The thing is, this guest that we're going to see this morning at this dinner party is able to analyze and look at hosting and say, what is it that we should be after when hosting a dinner party? And this is the question we want to ask all of you this morning, ask ourselves. It says, what does it look like to host an amazing dinner party? What does it look like to host an amazing dinner party? Well, let's find out, shall we, as uh, we look at a dinner party and a guest that analyzes what's going on at the party. Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 24. There's a lot here. I encourage you to pay attention as we read God's word. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But there remained silence. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. 
When he knows how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes he, uh, comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. At the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to examine them. Please, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word. And it's practical. And it cuts. And I pray that it would um, be able to cut to our hearts, do surgery upon us, so that we would be healed and understand how we are supposed to be. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, again, if you're just joining us, um, we kind of, again, are switching gears uh, from uh, the minor prophets that we did in the fall, and now we're going to the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. I will do the Gospel of Luke chronologically. Um, these first two weeks at the beginning of the series, I want to touch on some topics first. And so the topics uh, were regarding the issue of service. Uh, and uh, this, this week specifically on the topic of hospitality. And I uh, just want to touch on that, that topic. Now again, when you talk topically, you kind of gear a message um, towards that. Uh, again, that's kind of where I'm going to be, the lens I'm going to be looking at this topic through. Um, the, the topic of hospitality. And again, as we go for 20 weeks um, here in the winter and spring, we'll go be going chronologically through um, the book of Luke. Well, hospitality is a large topic, um, an important topic in the Bible. Um, it's uh, important because the Israelites uh, were strangers. I even know that. Uh, they lived a life uh, that was a lot of times nomadic or exiles or out. Whether it was Abraham 
um, kind of going from place to place, whether it was being uh, exiles in Egypt, whether it was then going into the wilderness and then trying to conquer the land of Israel, uh, whether it was being in exile in Babylon. There were large periods of time that Israel did not have land, that they were strangers, that they relied on the hospitality of others. And therefore, since Israel has been in that place of a stranger, now they too should be welcoming the stranger within their own homes, within their own place. In fact, the very Greek word philoxonia, which where we get hospitality, comes from Its base is love of stranger. So hospitality, meaning in the Greek, is love of stranger. And in the New Testament, we see characteristic of the elders. Characteristic of those are the mature in their faith are ones that are hospitable to strangers. Now, here it is. This idea of being hospitable and welcoming people into your home is not unique to Christianity at that time. I mean, other cultures valued hospitality. In fact, it was a major core of society at that point in time. That society worked on a hierarchical kind of structure. So those that were in power were those that you could be able to benefit from. It was not a meritocracy where based on your merit or your abilities or uh, to be able to succeed or be smart or whatever it might be to, to gain success. It didn't work that way. It didn't matter how smart or how, um, how much merit you had to, to gain popularity or honor. It mattered where your place was in society. So therefore, to get things, you had to hobnob with those that were in those places of power. And the place to do that was through hospitality, through being in people's homes. It showed, now I have connections. These people can give me things. And so you would be connecting with these kinds of people. And so um, table fellowship was a way that you could be able to rise in society. And here is a chance in a place where the Pharisees, these people that are esteemed in society, are now inviting a nomad, a stranger, a teacher at this point in time, to come into their domain, to be a part of who they are, and to say, oh, here we are, Jesus, come and be a part of us. And this is a chance for Jesus to hobnob and be with those that are in positions of power, and specifically a ruler of the Pharisees, into his home. But here's the thing. As much as hospitality is a part of the social culture at that time, Jesus likes to turn things upside down. <laughs> as we go through the book of Luke, we are going to see this constantly over and over again. Jesus' idea of ethics is an upside-down kingdom. Okay? And this ethics that Jesus is going to look at in hospitality is going to question the way that these people are being hospitable. And he's going to say, this is really not the kind of ethic that we're after. This is not the ethic of the kingdom of God. And he's going to do that with four snippets within this person's home. Four kind of parables or stories. And we're going to look at those together. Okay? Sound good? So let's look at the first one, shall we? The first snippet. It's verses 1 through 6. Verse 1 through 6. 
Now, we can see this again. Like I said, Jesus has been invited to a ruler of the Pharisees' home. And we can see uh, it's not far-fetched to say this has kind of been a setup a little bit. Because from the get-go, it says the Pharisees were watching him carefully. Okay? It wasn't a watching him carefully. Oh, we want to see what you have to teach. No, it was we're going to analyze whether he is doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And uh, it's also kind of a setup, I, I agree with Block on this, a commentator, that when it says, and behold, and then talks about this man with dropsy is there, this is a man that is not like the others. He is an outside, this man with dropsy. And this is a man that kind of they brought in to see what Jesus would do with him. And if you don't know what dropsy is, um, it's a symptom of many diseases. It's a swelling uh, it's a taking on of excess fluids. Uh, can many be, times be a sign of organ failure and being very close to death. And it also was a sign at that time for people of uncleanliness and sin. This person that is swelling, this person that has dropsy is unclean. And this person is also has it because he is sinful, society would say. And so this man is now within the home of the Pharisees and uh, Jesus sees this situation and uh, to break uh, the tension of them watching him and what he's going to do, he asks this question he's asked before in the book of Luke. He says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now here, if the Pharisees answered, yes, it's okay to heal on the Sabbath, then they would be caught because there were some Sabbath rules that said you can't do that kind of work on the Sabbath. But if they said, no, you can't heal on the Sabbath day, they'd be kind of caught, oh, you can't do good things on the Sabbath. So they're kind of caught, so they're, they're silent on it. And then Jesus, seeing the silence, asks another question, kind of a rhetorical question. He says this, he says, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And you see, the answer to that question is this. Of course they would. Of course if they had a son or a piece of property that was in that kind of place, they would pull that person out. You see... If hospitality is the love of stranger, if hospitality is making a stranger feel like part of the family, these men are not doing the very thing they're supposed to be doing. You see, you're supposed to look at this man as this stranger as part of the family. There would be no question of whether he should be healed or not. He is a son. He is a daughter. He is a stranger that has become a friend. That is what hospitality is. So it makes sense. You wouldn't even question, yes, we should heal him. He is like a son and should be part of us. I really like what Craig Blomberg says about this passage. Jesus, after he heals the man, tells him to go. Why would he do that? I mean, if he's been healed and clean, now he should come and stay for the banquet. But instead, he's saying, no, you shouldn't be a part of this kind of hospitality. Go out somewhere else. 
Because these are not true hosts. Blomberg says another point. It says, this is a parable in and of itself. You see, Jesus is showing, this, is, this man with dropsy is a very visualization for the other people that are feasting at this point in time. Don't you realize that every single one of you that is feasting right now is like this man? You too are sick. You too are unclean. You too need to be welcomed in as strangers. Well, I think this dinner party is not really a party of hospitality. It's a party of agenda. And these Pharisees that are hosting this party have missed what hospitality is all about. And this is a word of warning to us. Hosting people in your home, having them for dinner, is more than entertaining. Okay? It's not about showing off your house. It's not showing off your culinary skills. It's not a Downton Abbey kind of event, okay? It's not about impressing, but it's about serving and making people feel welcome. That is hospitality. You know what? That should be a relief, you know? Do you know why it should be a relief? Because you don't have to have a perfect house to host. You don't have to have everything in its place. You don't have to have a big house. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's not about that. It is about serving someone else. It's not about you. It's about them. All of us would love to have a house that looks perfect and be a culinary chef and to impress. Let's face it. We're not. Okay? We can't have that perfect place. And let's stop trying. And the Pharisees, again, they are making this meal about an agenda instead of making it about the stranger, the very one that should feel welcome, the very one that should be welcomed with open arms is the one that was sick, the one that was unclean. He is the stranger that should be welcomed into the home. Okay. So that's number one. And here's the second, 7 through 11 here. And see, what's happened now is, you know, it's kind of the supper club kind of thing. You know, you come in, the supper club's right in Wisconsin, and you had your drinks in the place, and then you'd go to be seated. So um, it's moved from the kind of introduction, everyone's kind of around, viewing where everyone's at, and now it's the, the next part of the meal where everyone goes and is seated. And as uh, the people are uh, kind of jostling for where everyone is going to sit, Jesus is observing what is happening. Now, you know, the meal times of that were kind of U-shaped. And so the uh, host would sit at the bottom of the U. And the guest of honor would sit on the left and the right. So again, you wanted to be closer to the host. And I think Jesus is making a point that many of them knew. You don't want to be the kind of person that um, presumptuously sits in a place where he shouldn't be. Okay? And usually the guests of honor would come a little bit later. And uh, they would then, the seat would be open and then they would come and sit. It would be embarrassing if you were sitting in that guest of honor seat and then the guest came. And you said, oh, no, no. Everyone's seated. Now you've got to sit at the very, very end. 
That would be embarrassing, and that is what Jesus is trying to show. And again, the parable is getting to a, a greater point that, again, we should not presume, and that your station should, be, should um, not be suggested, um, uh, your station should be suggested by others and not seized by yourself. Your station should be, um, should be suggested by others and not seized by yourself. And Jesus makes the very point in verse 11. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I think you can call this the middle school table, lunch table, right? Is this how it is? The middle school? The, um, am I sitting at the cool table or not? Uh, the fighting for popularity or whatever it might be. Oh, man. What a horrible game to play. I don't know if you played this game in middle school. I mean, I, I think I try to. Like, I want to be popular. And it's not until maybe you find your own identity and just like, hey, I'm just going to be who I am, that actually you start making friends um, rather than trying so hard. Um, there was a story recently. Uh, it was a documentary about the University of Miami football team, which was uh, it's a very popular football program. And uh, there's this scrawny equipment manager, probably the size of me, around all these large football players, popular football players. And this equipment manager got connected to this booster. Boosters give money to the programs. And this is a pretty corrupt booster. And uh, this booster wanted to get in with the Miami players, and he used this equipment manager to do this. And this scrawny equipment manager started to sit at a place at the table that he really wasn't need to be at. And through the corruption of this, uh, this booster, uh, the equipment manager started going out to really nice meals. He was given a Mercedes. Uh, he got to have all these parties with all these professional athletes and famous athletes with this booster. He would bring them in and be kind of the liaison to bring them in. And it's very telling in this documentary. The manager says this, I was seeking all these things. I was after trying to be popular. And that whole time, it was just making me more and more miserable. Because that was not my place. Hear this point. If you get into relationships to get affirmation, the less likely you're going to get it. Okay? If you get in relationships to serve others, not to get affirmation, you will get affirmation. More likely, you will. You see, for everyone who exalts himself, they will be humbled. And for everyone who humbles himself, they will be exalted. It's a good thing we've moved past that, right? We're not in middle school anymore. We don't worry about cliques or, you know, whether I'm in the in crowd or the out crowd. I mean, we, don't, we, we never have problems like that, right? We never go, oh man, I didn't, they didn't invite me to this? What, I invited this person? They didn't invite me back? Oh, none of us think that way, do we? I'm telling you, nothing will kill hospitality in a community more than pride. Nothing will kill hospitality more in community than pride. See, hospitality grows from humility. You invite others not to benefit yourself, but to care for them. 
And if we do that, then egos don't get bruised. And you'll go, oh, this person invited me, I won't invite them back. None of that kind of happens. Because it's not about you. It's about them. And in fact, when you serve and love others, then you will see God will exalt you. He will exalt you. He will comfort you. And you will have friendships that are so rich and so deep. Okay. Now to the third little story, 12 through 14. And here Jesus again, the awkward guest. He just doesn't stop, does he? <laughs> he says now to the man who invited him, Hey, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, what he's probably done, <laughs> lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So the lesson here is never invite your parents over to your house again. And I heard an amen, right? No, just kidding. No, no, that is not the lesson here, okay? This is hyperbole. Again, when Jesus uh, was eating with disciples and those and his mothers and brothers came and said, hate your mother and your brothers, did he really think hate? No, he was trying to give hyperbole to, to prove a point. The point is that our deference should be given to those that cannot give back. Hospitality's deference should be given towards the stranger. The best hospitality is one that is given, not exchanged. Reciprocity should not be a factor in deciding who to invite. It's generous when no motive is behind doing it or giving it. And you see, when you invite the stranger, when you invite those that are different and cannot give back, Hebrews 13.2 just comes into play. Do not neglect to show hospitality, for you have entertained angels unaware. Don't you realize you can turn strangers into friends? You can entertain people that you never thought could give you anything by doing this. And it can be rich and it can be deep. You know, one thing I found, Aaron and I found in Colorado culture versus Wisconsin culture about hospitality is that when we were in Colorado, we were people invited over all the time. It was just kind of part of thing. It was dinner parties all the time. Just a big thing. Um, and I think a lot of it was because a lot of people were kind of coming in from other places around the nation. They didn't have a lot of community. This is the way that they could build community. I wouldn't say it was um, you know, altruistic in what they were doing. They were trying to build a friend network. And this is the way um, that they did it. In Wisconsin, um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not going to be rude, we're hardly ever invited to anyone's house for dinner. Just hardly ever. Uh, maybe it's because we're have four girls, that might be part of it too. But um, I do think in Wisconsin culture, um, it is kind of, these are my friends. This is my family. I have it. I don't need to expand it. Okay? This is my network. It's already been established. It doesn't need to become any more. Also, I think it's hard to host in a, a colder climate. It, it costs money. 
Um, people um, in Wisconsin seem to really value their homes and they're comfortable in their own space. To someone to invade that space can be very uncomfortable. But we have noticed something in Wisconsin is that if you do open your home, you can have really positive experiences. We've done this in our neighborhood. We've had progressive dinners in our neighborhood and barbecues and things like that. And we have, you know, intentionally said we're not just going to host people in our home. We'll do that first. But then we're going to have progressive dinner where we go to different people's homes in the neighborhood. And people say, I haven't done this for 20 years. I didn't even know the person that lived across the street, and now I do. People are open to it in Wisconsin. It takes work and effort, but they'll do it. So how can we do this as a church? Who can be these people? Who is the stranger? Well, I think the stranger um, can even be people in our own body. Okay? Some of you don't know each other very well. You know, some of you are in different life stages. And those, even in our own church, can be strangers. And they can be invited in. And I think, um, you know, also strangers can be people in your neighborhood. can be people from your workplace that you don't know very well. It can even be, as Jesus mentioned, the poor. Those that are crippled or lame, the blind. Those that are the least in the lost in our own community. I want to give three practical ways that I think this winter and spring that we can show hospitality to church. I think we do a great job, but I think we should play to our strengths. Our strengths is being a small community. So let's play to those in being hospitable. I think a lot of you do such a great job of this, but I want to be intentional in how we go about that this winter and this spring. Um, Jill Vanderloop gave me some great ideas. I'm borrowing some of hers, so... Give her all the credit. You know, she deserves it. Uh, but one idea is doing a dinners for eight. Um, that's something that maybe in church culture you've done in time. And what I'd like to see is people say, I want to host a dinner at my house. And whether it's eight or 12, whatever it can be. And at this dinner, um, I'm going to invite not just uh, people within the church, but I want to invite some people from my workplace or neighbors who I've never had over, people that are strangers, into my home. And then also invite people from church in too. And to have this kind of relationship um, together. And maybe you're saying, I don't have a home that I can host that kind of thing. You know what? There's other places that are your homes. You know? Places that you feel like, oh, this is hospitable to me. It could be a place where you like to go out to eat. Or a place where you like to go get a drink. Or um, a place where you just play games. You just have people over to play games that night at your house. So you can host a dinner for eight, even if you feel like you don't have good culinary skills or you don't have a big enough place to host people. There might be other places where you can be hospitable to others. So if you want to be that person to do that, we have on the back of the the worship guide, and we'll do this also at the congregational meeting, a place where you can check off, I would like to host a dinner for eight. And maybe, again, you want to just be a participant. You can be a participant, too. Either of those are fine. I would hope that everyone in the congregation would check off either being a host or a participant uh, for one of those things. Also, we are starting in February a hospitality team. I don't even know this, but we are a church that loves to throw parties. 
And uh, we, you know, do Seamus parties. We do kind of the chili cook-off parties. We do all these kind of things. And this is what I've noticed. You know, early in church planting, oh, if I host a lot of parties, all these people are invited to the parties will start coming to church. They just don't, okay? And you know what I've realized? That's an okay thing. We throw parties not so we can build our own body. We throw parties not for reciprocity, but because we're called to love the stranger. I tell you, it has been fun to throw parties. And I've met some of your friends, and some of you have met some of my friends. And it's just been fun to meet other people I would never have met before if we hadn't had that kind of party. If you are the kind of person who likes to have those kind of, um, host those kind of parties or throw those parties, likes to do event planning, where we invite those people to come and just see who we are and to love them, I encourage you to talk to Adrian as we kind of set up this team, and we'll talk about uh, that this Wednesday evening, about the parties that we're throwing and the different things um, that we're going to be doing. Lastly, I encourage you, the Mercy Ministry team, you can be part of the Good Neighbor team, um, where we are loving the, um, the literal refugees in our own community. And that's a way that you can serve at being a part of that kind of team and being a part of the Good Neighbor team. To, to serve those, literally, those that are the strangers among us. Now, I know I'm the extrovert. I'm like, party, 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 people, people, people. You know, my wife is like, no more people in our house, please. But I want to encourage the introverts among you. If you're introverted, it's kind of hard to host people at your house. One thing that's good to do is to invite a couple that you know really well as one couple, and then to invite a couple you don't know as well, so that you don't feel like you're having to do all that kind of breaking. Maybe that couple that you know that's more extroverted, to have those kind of conversations with people that you don't know as well. So that's a great way to be able to show um, hospitality for introverted in this problem. Now, it doesn't mean you ignore the strange couple or the strangers. You need to welcome them in. But that's a way that you can do it. Okay. Uh, you know, one misnomer that I've heard in uh, church culture is this. You know, hospitality is a gift, a spiritual gift. I just don't have it. Okay, that is false, okay? The Bible calls us all to hospitality. Romans 12 calls us all to that. 1 Peter 4.9 says this, Be hospitable without complaining. So where does that power come from? Where does the power come from to invite people over to your home when it's cold outside, you're tired from work, you have kids running everywhere, where you have no money? How can I do this? This is just difficult. It's just work. Where does the power come from to do it? And I think Jesus answers that question for us in verses 15 through 24. So here Jesus has been awkward in these three other stories. And then you can see this one guy at the feast is trying to break the tension of the awkwardness. And he says this, Well, Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Right? Let's all hold hands. It's going to be okay. Right? Trying to break the tension. But of course, Jesus just goes after that statement. And here is the great irony of this passage. Here are these Pharisees and these people feasting with the king. But as much as they're feasting and hosting and the king is with them, they are far from the kingdom and the dinner at the end. 
Even though they are feasting with the king, they are very far away from the very kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus says in telling another parable. Here is this master who tells the servant, Oh, I've sent the invitation. Now tell them to come. It's time to come. And these people give all these lame excuses. The lame excuses just continue. Oh, I've got my field i got to take care of. I've got these oxen. Oh, I just got married. And then Jesus tells the servant, Okay, fine. Don't bring the people that I invited. Now just gather people and bring them in. Don't even invite them. Just tell them, come. Come in. Be a part of this. Which guest are you? Which guest are you? Are you the guest that says, you know, I have something to bring to this feast, God. I have something that I can bring to your table. Or you that admits, I'm the stranger. I'm the poor. I'm the lame. I don't deserve any invitation. Servant, you have to carry me in. You have to bring me in. Because there's nothing that I have. I've told the story before. I'll tell it again. I was 14. My parents put me on a plane to go to Kenya by myself because I was precocious. And I arrive in the airport in Nairobi and my ride is not there. No one's there to pick me up. In Nairobi, Kenya. At 14. The only white person in the airport. And here are two African ladies seeing me crying. Coming up to me and they say, do you have anywhere to go? I said, I have nowhere to go. I don't know how to get a hold of my friends. And they took me to their house in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya. In a slum house. In one of their two beds. They let me sleep on their bed. And they said, we will take care of it. And they went to a place where there was a phone and called my friends and got them and brought them. See, don't you see? When we see that we are in that place of being poor in spirit. When we realize that we are those people that are lame and poor. That God brought us in to his place when we didn't even deserve it. He showed hospitality to us. When we see that, that we are in that place, how much more will we then welcome any stranger or anyone outside of who we think is okay into our homes? Because that is what God has done for us. I'm preparing a place for you. A mansion with many rooms. You were once strangers, but now you are friends. Come into my home, our Savior says. Will you be welcome to that invitation? Will you say, I have nothing to give, God. Bring me into your place. And if we see ourselves as strangers that has been rescued by the King and been part of his feast, 
we will then entertain strangers all around. And who knows? Maybe some of them will be angels. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let hospitality be an ethos of our church. And let it come not out of obligation, but let it ooze from the gospel. Let it ooze from what you have given us. That it just makes sense that we would welcome strangers, because that's what you have done for us. God, let Emmaus Road be a hospitable place. Teach us, form us, show us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Okay. Well, let us continue in worship and we'll stand together here. And a very fitting song, Jeremy, Come Ye Sinners. And uh, 